0: Turn with me in your Bibles to Mark chapter 9 and in the text we will see these words which I have taken for the title of this message if you can believe. Mark chapter 9 verse 20 it says and they brought him unto him and when he saw him straightway the spirit tear him and he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. And he asked his father, How long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said of a child. And oft times it hath cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. Now look at these words here. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Verse 23 is our text. Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe... All things are possible to him that believeth, if you can believe. The year was 1978, possibly 1979, when I was first in ministry, had been in just for a couple of years, and we had a youth group, which was primarily composed of older young people, like early 20s, late teens, early 20s. And I was in my early 20s. And I thank God for the fact that I didn't really have any prejudice towards the Bible. Meaning, I never read it before. I wasn't taught it as a child. So I came to it with a clean slate. I didn't know what it said. And in some instances, not all, but in some cases, that's an advantage. I didn't have the prejudice that some people have. Such as, well, God doesn't heal the sick anymore. See, all I did was read what I just read here and many other passages. And I said, oh, God is a healer. I'm standing here today because I believe that Christ is still a healer. And I'm grateful I didn't have the prejudice of doing the tarantella around verses theologically to do away with the obvious. So among all the things that God is, he is the healer and he's still the healer so in those meetings we had great great success in those days one man used to literally fill his car i mean almost like you would see clowns in a circus just pile them in sitting on each other's laps to come to our meetings where all we did was i would start with my guitar and sing and then i'd preach then we would pray at the altar and then we go four things Then we go out to some place for some fellowship. Usually it was pizza and that. Four things. That was it. Built the ministry on four things. Singing. Worship. Well, singing. Preaching. Prayer. Laying hands on the sick. And then fellowship. I'm not even certain that I knew exactly how that was outlined in the book of Acts. Just seemed like the thing to do. It was simple. But in that simplicity, we had great results. And this was one of them. We were having, well, first of all, half of this group that later comprised my church were either ex-convicts, drug addicts, drug dealers, members of motorcycle gangs, and that was my congregation. Most of them did not fit in very well to the average church at that time, but they fit in quite well with me. And one night, one of the star witnesses of our group brought in a friend who was a heroin addict, a woman, young girl at the time, maybe 20, 21. Young girl at the time who was a heroin addict, but the complication was that she was pregnant. She was now in the very last trimester of her pregnancy, and she had been shooting heroin all through the nine months of her pregnancy. When they did an ultrasound, they told this girl whose name I still remember, Leslie, They told her that your baby only weighs about two and a half pounds. It's never going to pass through the birth canal. And even if it does, it's going to be severely brain damaged and so on. And the picture was very bleak. And I remember that night as this friend of mine now brought her to me and told me her story. And I found coming out of my mouth, without any premeditation, these words from Mark 9, 23. I said to her, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. And I'm going to say to you that at that moment, I did not perceive myself, nor do I believe I was God's man of faith and power. I just was repeating what the book said, and it came out of my mouth automatically. We anointed her with oil. We prayed the prayer of faith. You can read about it in James chapter 5. Again, we didn't have the prejudice to say, well, this is a very sorry condition that you have, and we'll certainly pray that God would comfort you. We didn't pray that God would comfort her. Well, I didn't pray. I prayed that God would heal her, that God would touch her. She was only a couple of weeks away from the so-called delivery, which was going to be a C-section lo and behold, after that night of prayer, just a couple of weeks, two weeks or so, she went into labor. So the doctors said, well, let's just see how this goes. She went into labor and she gave birth to the baby which weighed, I'm trying to remember the precise numbers, but I don't. I weighed over 10 pounds when I was born. But this baby was eight, nine pounds. In just a couple of weeks, this baby had gained five, six, seven pounds. From the ultrasound they did just a few weeks earlier but more than that the baby came out absolutely perfectly healthy and normal in every single possible way imaginable it was so astonishing naturally the doctors were astonished and they had what they could say about it i don't know but one of the remember these are guys who have done time they've been in prison they've been in gangs Uh, I could tell you a lot of stories about that quite a group so one guy went up he said I got to see this for myself so he actually borrowed a lab coat with a doctor's name on it went in to take a look at the x-rays which he had no clue what he was looking at and then went in to visit her while she was in the hospital a couple years later she brought this baby boy back he had like silver platinum type hair what a handsome looking child and I wonder if that same woman had went before someone else When they would have said to her, well, this is, again, this is tragic. There's not much that can be done. Of course, you know, Jesus doesn't heal the sick anymore. I wonder what would have been the turn of events for that mother and for that child if someone didn't pray the prayer of faith contained in this book. Jesus said, if you can believe. This is not dependent on your preacher, your pastor. It's dependent on you. If you can believe. Listen. All things are possible, all things are possible with God. Two chapters later, Jesus will say that. But listen, all things are possible to him that believes. Now, you've heard many stories from me, you haven't heard them all. Of God just doing so many either miraculous or astonishing things in all these years of my ministry and our ministry here through prayer and the prayer of faith. So let me say this one more time, but I'll phrase it differently. If you were raised in the faith, which may be questionable whether it is exactly the faith of this Savior of ours. If you were raised in the faith where you were prejudiced by someone who went to theological school and to the seminary where they were taught. This isn't for today. Dismiss it. Dismiss it. Because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever until we don't need to be helped, healed, saved, or anything else for all eternity. Until then, we can go to God in prayer. And if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. As I was meditating on these scriptures, I came across the obvious. If you're an honest person... And if you have not thought about this before, give it some thought. But the first thought that I had when I came to this passage was the application to our modern church, you and me, and a billion other people, that the church today is impotent. It cannot even reproduce itself. The power that we read about in the gospel or in the book of Acts largely is not present in the average church. And if you've not thought about it, when you go home today, just think about it. Do we see our signs as we read in the Psalms? Are signs following Mark 6, chapter 16? These signs shall follow them that believe. And I will say to you, with certain exceptions, they're not. And it could be due to the prejudice of an innocent young person or Bible school student who is taught these things aren't for today. They trusted their teacher and they never asked for a thing besides, well, just little things. The church is impotent. Many times in song services, you could have people singing, but there's no anointing. You could have someone preaching, and even with God's words, but there's no anointing. And as I've told you before, when an old gentleman of the gospel was once asked, what is the anointing? His reply was, I can't say what it is, but I can tell you what it ain't. There's a sense when God is anointing, singing in prayer and preaching. There's just a sense for me, for good or bad, it has a sense of having a bite to it. A sense of the anointing. And I'm going to say to you today from all these years of experience, generally speaking, the church is impotent. It doesn't do what Jesus did as he said we would. We don't do what the apostles did in the book of Acts. And forgetting for a moment the prejudice of some Bible teachers, the fault lies largely in ourselves. The truth of it is, we don't believe. We pray, but we don't believe. I just encouraged somebody just last night who was praying for a certain situation to change. And he mentioned to me that sometimes the the word wasn't waver, but that's what it was. And so I exhorted him that when you pray, don't waver. Believe. The church is impotent. And this is the reason why, and i use the word need. Well, that's not what we need. But in my line of work, there is no end to seminars of someone who always has a big church. Who's going to tell you how to have a big church. Using scriptures about pleasing God, saving souls. All of which are true. But the methods are rarely the ones found in the book that we read. Jesus laid down the blueprint. Why don't we follow it? Well, truth be told, it's because there's doubt. There's doubt. In Mark chapter 9, where we are, verse 17, the Bible says, And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. He's mute. And wheresoever he taketh him, talking about this evil spirit, he foameth and gnasheth with his teeth and pines away. And I spake to your disciples, and they could not cast him out. Or as it reads, thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. He answered him and saith, O faithless generations. Now keep in mind, the disciples tried it, and Jesus said they're faithless. O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. It may surprise you, I don't know, that Jesus expresses such frustrations with those who are actually following him, but are impotent. Initially, the disciples were impotent. That would change when they would be filled with the Holy Spirit, which is the same spirit of Jesus. Romans chapter 8. Oh, faithless generation, how much longer do I have to suffer with you? Are you going to frustrate me? Now, we don't picture God as being frustrated, but when we look at Jesus, we see human qualities. And when we look in the Old Testament, we see God's frustration with his own people. For instance, judgment is imminent on their country and ultimately on the city of Jerusalem. And through the prophet Isaiah, God will say, I sought for a man to stand in the gap between me and judgment, and there was nobody. So then my own right arm brought salvation, but that came with a price for the people who didn't believe him. They didn't even know to pray in a period of time when everything around them gave them evidence that they were in deep trouble, just as it is for us today. The evidence is overwhelming, and yet prayer meetings are almost... Ghost towns. And you say, why? And I'll tell you why. It's because ultimately, people deep in their heart don't believe anything's gonna change. And that may be based on experience of having been at prayer meetings where nothing does change. But the fault does not lie with God. God is willing. We now must rise to the occasion to believe Him. If thou canst believe All things are possible to him that believes. Number one, the church is functionally impotent, gospel speaking wise. You can find clever men, eloquent men, give great sermons, gives you an emotional lift. Just like a piece of paper next to the railroad track, as the train rushes by, gives a momentary lift to that piece of paper Until the impetus of the train is gone, it floats right back to the ground. And my friends, that's exactly what we have in Christianity today. After a Sunday service, there's a great amount of enthusiasm and all of this. But by Monday morning, the message is already forgotten. And faith has not grown. It must grow if you can believe all things are possible to him that believes. And that question is got to be asked... Do I really believe this? Do I really believe what we heard read earlier from Matthew 7, 7? Or is it just, as I've told you over the years in my mind and illustrations, rolling dice? With the hope that you either roll your point, or the first roll is a 7 or an 11, and not a 2, snake eyes. Because many people approach prayer just like that. Hope God hears me. Here in the book, he says, do not waver. When you come before me and you ask, my ears are open to your cry. My ears are open. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are open unto his people. But do you believe it? And if you do, how many could stand up today and give a testimony as I did? And I could give dozens and dozens. And some of them you've heard and some of them you've not. Some are just dealt with in private that are not ordained to be made public. The power of God is not in the church today. I was at a meeting many years ago, invited to be on what was a getting off the ground project for television, some of you remember this, and I was what they called a part of the sounding board, which basically means you have no powers, you're just there because you're on the team. I didn't mind, but then they had an executive board, it was a 501c3 corporation, not-for-profit, and we were trying to they were promoting how do we get the station up and running this was locally here and as we went around the room and somebody was talking about this kind of a fundraiser and we could do this or we could do that i raised my hand and i said what if we begin to pray and have prayer meetings you know and ask god and there was an owner of a local radio station there who has done quite well financially promoting christian broadcasting i'll put it that way and he just he turned like that on a dime. And this is what he said to me. Yeah, prayer, prayer. We need money. And as soon as I heard that, the switch went off in my mind. I said, this is not for me. Of course we need money. And who's going to supply it? The cleverness of man? Well, yeah, man does raise money by his own cleverness. But he doesn't raise the power. And that station went on for a few years. Then it failed. The whole thing folded up. Why? Because the power of God was not there. Things were said, telethons were given, and all types of promises, and whatever have you, and it could have done well in this area right here, in our area. It never did, because in my view, they missed the opportunity to believe God, and it became impotent, impotent. Prayer, prayer, yeah, but we need money, and oddly enough, The irony of it is later on, the man who was promoting the station actually reproved me for causing a division in the group. Then the second switch went off. I don't want to be part of people who think like this, who think that it's money that supplies our needs. God supplies our needs, and God supplies the needs for his people. Always. Obviously, we need money. That's why we take up offerings. We need it to trade, to barter. National Grid doesn't say whose building is that or that belongs to the Time for Truth. They don't have to pay. We need money, but we get that from God through people. But then again, God is not limited, He's God. I submit to you that the church today, in many places around the world, is impotent. Now we come to the omnipotent Christ. Verse 20. And they brought him unto him which would be jesus and when he saw him straightway the spirit tear him evil spirits know jesus keep that in mind and he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming and he asked his father how long ago is it since this came unto him and he said of a child he's had this for many years this condition and oft times it hath cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him always remember the goal of demon spirits is to destroy your life take a little deviation off the straight and now and just walk this way it's going to be good it's not going to be good and i will say this with great respect to some of you sitting here or even watching and listening by radio you're learning by bad experience that just small deviations from the bible and the ways of god brings you pain And oftentimes it brings others pain as well. But will you rise up today and be honest with yourself, as I mentioned during the song that we sang, and be humble enough to say, I'm not what I need to be. I'm not what I ought to be. But with the help of God in the future, I will be what I ought to be in Christ. And the devil will harass you. He harasses me on a regular basis. And so in verse 22, we find that this demon spirit cast the kid into the fire, to the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. If you can do anything. That's the question. Now, this should not be a question for us. We've got the book. And as I've told you before, Jesus doesn't leave us with three or four choices. It's always one or two. You believe it, or you don't. And I will say to you this as well. There are many people who pray on a regular basis who don't even believe that God is going to answer their prayers. So I would say, why are you even praying? Is that what your religion taught you when you were young in some Christian church somewhere? It's not to be chanting. It's to be petitioning the God who has everything and who wants to give freely and wants to show himself strong, as I mentioned to you last week. He wants to show himself strong. He's not hiding from you or anybody else. He wants to show you how powerful he is. But that is up to you. Remember Peter walked on water? That's impossible. You don't do that. And he was doing fine until one moment when he started to take a look at the circumstances. The waves billowing And he didn't really take it all into consideration at first, evidently, because he got out of the boat when Jesus said, come. But then he started to look around at how bad the situation really was. And immediately he sunk. Then we read this in Matthew 14, 31. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? You were doing fine. Why did you doubt? Well, we know why he doubted. The Bible says we do not walk by sight. What we see, what we hear, what we feel, what we sense. The Bible says we walk by faith. And faith that is seen, the Bible says further, is not faith. We walk by what we don't see or have not seen yet. For we walk by faith, not by sight. But when we start to walk by sight, we have the same experience as Peter. Does so it doesn't matter how long you've been in the Lord. You're sinking. And let me say this for a third time today during this message. You must have the humility to at least begin by going before God and saying, I blew it. I mean sin. Or just, you know, compromising on a principle. And have the mercy of God on your life. You must have the humility to admit you were wrong. Because you're not going to be able to correct it until you admit that is not right. Oh, you say I've got 10, 20, 30, 40 years. That makes no difference. Here's a game board like Monopoly, and you can go all around the board, land up over here at the boardwalk. You go around that board many times in a regular game of Monopoly if you have a few people playing. Or you can go around square 1. 40 years. How long you be there? 40 years. I've traveled, well, you've traveled nowhere. You've been on one square For 40 years, just like the children of Israel, they wandered around in circles, but God permitted that now, and they went nowhere. People can spend their whole life, as we use the expression, in church and go nowhere. Worse, they cannot make heaven, because they never really had faith. If thou canst believe, You see, if we walk by sight, we look at situations that are impossible. Mountains that cannot be removed. Situations that are so complex and complicated, we can barely explain them to others. But nothing is too complicated or complex for God. And when you go to him as a little child and you say, Abba, Father, fix this situation. The good news to begin with is you don't have to now figure it out you don't have to stay up all night thinking this through how does this work huh just give it to god say god can you fix this you know little kids do that all the time with their fathers and their mothers can you fix it and sometimes you know with human beings fathers can fix it moms can fix it but in god's hands it's always fixed i i've shared this with you before but let me just say this to you i don't really care how long you've been around the lord well, oh, I'm 45 years That doesn't impress me. I'm impressed by people who are actually growing, getting taller, getting stronger. You hear it in their voice. And what frustrates me as a preacher and as a believer is to hear the same old song over and over and over again, which expresses one corruptible condition of unbelief, the omnipotent Christ to him. There is nothing that is impossible, nothing. I'm sharing this with you to encourage you of what man both can and has done without even giving Christ the credit. And the reason that I'm doing that is at the end of this, these few anecdotes, to say that if men can do this without Christ, what should we be able to do with Him? For example, in 1959, or 53, rather, Sir Edmund Hillary and his associate there. They went up 29,032 feet, five and a half miles, and were the first to get onto the summit of Mount Everest. Now it doesn't seem like a big deal. But one year before I was born, people said it's impossible. No one can get up that high. No one can get to that summit. Now, of course, many people have been up there after one man showed that it can be done and did it. Here's one for you. Lieutenant Don Davis... And this other man that was with him, 1960, I believe it was, went seven miles down in a submersible into the Mariana Trench off the coast of Australia. It's over seven miles deep. If you took Mount Everest and sunk it down into the Mariana Trench, you still have over 2,000 feet before you'd reach the top of the water. So whether you're going up to one summit, which people say, that can't be done, it's impossible. Or you're going down to another, as the lieutenant did with his partner, with God, nothing is impossible. And as far as I know, I've never read—I don't know if I've not read enough—that any of these men ever gave credit. So I did this to Christ. I'm just sharing with you what men have done, if I may say so, without Christ. We have landed on the moon, which again, 1969. That doesn't seem like a big deal now, but go back 300 years and tell somebody at a campfire, "One day we'll be walking on that moon." They think you're crazy. It's impossible with men, but I am going to give the credit to God ultimately. The Wright brothers, how they were laughed at. God wanted us to fly when he gave us wings. Now I sit on my deck many, many nights, or days I should say, and see at 32,000 feet the vapor trail of these 747s and all of these other aircraft that are doing what no one thought a hundred years ago could ever be done. And we take it for granted. You may choke on this a little bit, but Vaccines have been absolutely instrumental in saving people's lives. So be careful before you open your mouth about vaccines. Do your research. Read a few books, not something on social media. Don't take any advice off social media or very little. Don't take medical advice off the social media. I never take medical advice off of social media, even if the guy says he's an M.D. I don't know that he's telling the truth. So we have some of these things here, the four minute mile. Listen to this, they said, people said, it was not only impossible to run a mile in four minutes, but that it would be fatal until Roger Bannister came along and he did it in just a shade under four minutes. Four months later, his partner or his friend there, John Landy, did the exact same thing. One does it, now someone says, I can do it. And in 1999, A runner from Morocco by the name of Hisham el Garouj ran a mile in three minutes and 43 seconds, almost 16 seconds faster than Roger Bannister in 1959. 16 seconds faster. What was once said to be impossible, it's going to be fatal. People have now done it in respect to the mile, in respect to uh, so many things. And one of my favorites, when it comes to fitness, is the one who's called the godfather of fitness, Jack LaLanne, if you're old enough to remember him. First one on television, inspiring people to be physically fit, diet, and all of this. In 1956, I believe it was, he did 1,000 push-ups and 1,000 chin-ups in 86 minutes. So go home and try it, because it can be done. And others have broken that record since. At the time he was 30 years old. He was five foot six inches tall and 150 pounds. He only ate two meals a day, mostly vegetables. When he was 70 years old, 70 years old, he towed 70 people in 70 rowboats one and a half miles across the San Francisco Bay with his hands and his feet shackled, just going along. Seventy people in 70 boats. He was 70 years old and to my knowledge Jack Lillane never gave any credit to God I don't know that he did or didn't I don't recall that he ever did I'm just sharing with you what man can do when he puts his mind to it and he does it well presumably without God Now God supplies everything else. We know that I'm just sharing with you This story really fascinates me and I'll tell it to you. It's told by dr. Michael Gregor about his grandmother 65 years old She had now had so many bypass surgeries, they could not possibly do another bypass surgery. And he, again, as far as I know, is giving no credit to Christ the healer. I'm just sharing with you what men do without Christ. 65 years old, grandmother, they cannot operate on her, the scar tissue, there's no more arteries to use, or veins. So they send her home in a wheelchair to die. Well, the short version of this story is that she had heard about a man who was promoting a natural diet. Nothing extraordinary, none of these crazy supplements that people sell you. Just a regular, natural, God-made diet. She went on it. When they wheeled her into the clinic, she couldn't walk at all, really, without massive chest pain, pain in her legs. Her vascular system was almost totally occluded, and she was going to be dead soon. So they said as she began to have proper nutrition, change a bit of her lifestyle, in three weeks she walked out of that clinic under her own steam and then began walking mile after mile every day until she was walking 10 miles a day and lived to be 96. And that's, again, as far as I know, without giving any credit to God. It just shows you the goodness of God who causes his reign to fall on the just and on the unjust And there are many things because all men are created in the image and likeness of God of what they're able to do. (laughs) Well, I'll say it without Christ, but I don't really believe it is without Christ. They just don't give him credit for things that they have, the gifts and talents. Let me give you one more. He's one of my favorites. Samuel Whitmore. Look him up. Samuel Whitmore. He was the oldest combatant to join the colonial army during the newly formed or started Revolutionary War. That's where we got our independence. 79 when he joined the army. And so, on his farm, some of these British grenadiers came. He took out his gun, he shot one dead, he's 79, and he's in the army. Took out his dueling pistols, shot and killed two more. Well, finally, they overcame him. They shot him in the face, boom. Then they bayoneted him so many times that they left him in a massive pool of blood. For dead. Some colonial men came along, took him to Dr. Tufts, I believe that was his name, who said it's over for Samuel. He recovered and lived to be 96. And still I don't know that he gave credit to Christ. I don't know. Maybe some of them did. I don't know. How many of you here are at least 79? Would you join if the army says we need you? Would you stand against a troop of British grenadiers, shoot one? taking out your dueling pistols, then get shot in the face, bayoneted, laying in a pool of blood. Even the doctor says, you're not going to make it, and you make it, and you live almost 20 more years. Now, when Jesus says to us, for with God, nothing is impossible, or when the apostle Paul writes to us, and he says, for I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. You must decide if you actually believe that. Because many of men, as I just gave you a few examples, I want to talk about George Washington Carver too, who went before the Lord. He was a devout Christian in Carver's case. And in his story, he says, I asked the Lord to show me the secrets of the universe. And he says, the Lord said to him, that's for me alone to know. He says, okay, then show me the secrets of the peanut. He says, okay, a peanut's just about your size. (laughs) He found 300 uses for the peanut. And he credits it to God. I, by the way, also found a use for the peanut, which has not been heralded by anybody. That it goes good on a sandwich with jelly. (laughs) But no one's talking about that. Can you find 300 uses for any little thing in your life? You could, if you read Carver's story. You could, if you go with God and say that with God, nothing is impossible. If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believes. I got to say this just very, very quickly. Another man I admire, and I've told you this story before, the Colonel Sanders. Sanders. 65 years old, gets his first social security check after the highway bypassed his home, basically shut his restaurant, put it out of business. He says, I don't want to take money from the government. So he came up with this little recipe he had from his mother when he was a child and he had to cook for his family because his mom had to go work because his dad was dead. And the rest is history. People do things. And, you know, younger people typically pick up on these things better than older people. Older people, you already count yourself on the bench, and you already count yourself out. I'll tell you, one person in this room who's a bit older, and I'm not counting myself out, and that's me. It's the preacher. I'm not going to go wallowing in my tears of all the miseries that I've seen, and I've seen a lot. But let everything that doesn't kill me make me stronger, and that should be your attitude as well, that you can do all things. Don't go crawling home like a spider. That's what really frustrates me. Now, I mean it. People with Bibles in their hands, uh, you know, blah blah stop and start declaring the glory of the Lord. Start to say, I will not die, but live and declare the glory of the Lord, because that's what's in this book. Young people, don't waste your life and don't let people inside the church prejudice you as to what can and cannot be done. If it's not in this book or they contradict this book, push it away. And believe in the Lord. You will never be disappointed. I want to share something with you. You don't have to turn there. You can look at it later. In Deuteronomy 29.29 it says. The secret things belong unto the Lord our God. But those things which are revealed belong unto us. And to our children forever. That we may do all the words of this law. There's something there. That God will share so called secret things. Even though you can actually find them in the Bible. But he evidently causes people to pass right over and never get it. And it's all revealed here. Right here. And it belongs to the Lord to open up your eyes. As Elijah prayed for young Gehazi there. He said, this is more with us than it is are against us. Lord, open up his eyes. Open up his eyes. Around about Elisha was chariots of fire. Just like there is around us here today. Psalm 34, 7, The angel of the Lord encampeth round about those that fear him and delivereth him. Don't you ever say, You're down and you're out. You can't win. Why do I always lose? That's how losers speak. They're blame-oriented people. If I only had better parents. If I only had better... Instead of taking responsibility for their own life and rise up. I don't care today how old you are. I don't care what your condition is. I've lived through enough... I've had enough miseries and sicknesses and everything else to tell you that you can stand against them in the name of Jesus Christ and become stronger. Yes. Amen. If you can believe Amen. all things are possible to him that believes. So we read there in Mark chapter nine, when Jesus saw that the, this is the secret thing. Now, when Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him, and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried, and rent him sore, and came out of him. And he was as one dead, insomuch that many said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, and lifted him up, and he rose. Now listen to me. I'm sure there's probably none of you in this room that have been to a seminar about how to grow your church. But I've been to plenty of them, that's years ago, and I'm not going to anymore. This, that, the other thing. You got to do this, you got to do that. The early church met basically underground in the dirt. But they had the power, they weren't impotent, because they followed the instructions of God. Here, what I'm saying to you is that, if Jesus had been to the seminar how to grow the churches, everybody's rushing in, he would have said, come on, come on, come on, come on. Now fill out this card, and we want you to stay in the... And he didn't. He got it over quick and got out of there. What? This is strange behavior. You see, because God is not handing out, to use Deuteronomy twenty nine twenty nine. he's not handing out his secrets to just anybody. He says, oh, but I'm a Christian. It don't matter. You're not seeing things that you could be seeing if you would obey the Lord. And let me say something else. Obeying the Lord isn't all that easy. God says, we're going through the valley of the shadow of death. And I say, yeah, I won't fear any evil until we actually start to move. Then I say, are you sure about this plan? <laughs> it don't seem like a good plan to me because I'm afraid of it. I'm meeting more and more people that are having night terrors. Some of you may be here, I don't know. More and more people having night terrors. I'll tell you what I do. If I have one and I do have them and nightmares once in a while, I just dismiss it. I'm going stay up all night and say, oh, I learned that from the book. I just dismiss it. It's only Satan. It's only Satan. We have made him God and God to be a lesser angel. We have given to Satan the attributes that belong to God and given to God the attributes that belong to a created being. God has no limitations at all. At all. And I'm wondering today how many are going to rise up. Or You want to go with the crowd? You go with the crowd then. Because it's better that you really taste to the full what sin actually does to your mind and to your body that you may have a chance to see the glory of God. And if not, you say, no, I don't want to go with them. Then go fully with God, all the way out, and you'll never be disappointed. Amen. Amen. I've been around tough guys, real tough guys, and be able to look them straight in the eye, and there's something you can't see, it's something you sense. And I mean when you have the real deal that the other person picks up on, that they're not too anxious to take you on. That's how it was with Jesus. And guess who resides inside you, if indeed you are a Christian? biblical Christian is Jesus himself through his spirit and he said the father will come and we will make our abode with him whom shall I fear who are we to fear who are we to believe God and his book you leave this building today don't you crawl out of here skulking down the side of the building this is true now even in my home when I'm alone I always stretch myself to my full height for posture part of it's also I'm not cocky But part of it also is that I know who I am in Christ. You don't want to be hunched over. Walk up straight. And though you're surrounded by a multitude of problems today, they are nothing but a drop in the bucket in the hands of Almighty God. Every time you watch the news and it disturbs you as it does me, remind yourself God is working out His plan. And it's going to have a good end for those that trust in Him. If you were to get your inheritance from your father and mother, ahead of time, I want you to think about this. Let's say, for instance, your father was a farmer. And instead of waiting till he passes, or mom and dad pass, you get the whole inheritance ahead of time. There's apples and pears and all kinds of stuff on the farm. And you have a friend that's with you, and he knows about this, because you've told everybody, I got the whole thing, and I got it now. How ridiculous does it sound when you go to your father and say, can I have an apple? And dad says to you, well, I've given you the whole, everything's yours. Next day, you come and say, are you going to still have apples? Can I have an apple? After a while, your dad's going to get frustrated. He's going to say, don't you understand? I've given you the whole orchard. The scriptures tell us that all things are ours and we are Christ's. And what challenges me, and I mean this sincerely, what really challenges me is that before I leave this earth, I'm seeking after God as to see once again that the woman I told you about, the Leslie's of this world, and the others, some that I've mentioned to you, healed of schizophrenia, we have at least one case of that here in this ministry, and other things, compressed discs that were decompressed, I should say, degenerated discs that were regenerated after prayer was laid on these people in the name of the Lord. To see the power of God in the land of the living. To see the church become potent again. So we don't have to be as clever as we try to be. You see crowds that follow popular people. They don't need a whole lot of motivation. A leader may just put up his hand and everybody goes crazy. Because they're already enthused about the topic at hand or the person. And if you came in here today truly enthused about this particular theology and ideology and truth. It wouldn't take much to preach to you or to sing or anything because you're already there. Stop talking about the economy. Make wise decisions. Stop talking about the economy. Stop talking about politicians. Can anything good come out of Washington? (laughs) And my buddy, our friend here, pastor, is learning what it's like on a local level, how dirty, filthy it can be, how wicked people can be. That's just the way it goes. Some of you here have never climbed inside of a boxing ring. But here's the thing you need to know. So you're looking really good on the heavy bag. So this guy's good. And every time I've trained somebody, I said, well, this is good. But there's one thing you got to remember. The heavy bag's not hitting back. And when we're in this room and your pastor's preaching, the Satan isn't hitting back. We're all together. But when you go, many of you are going alone back to your home or wherever you go. And you're going all by yourself. And you may be around Christians who are not exactly feeding into your life of faith. So you're going to have to do it alone. My attitude is, I've always been an independent individual and a thinker. Independent thinker. My attitude is, I'm going to do it with or without people. It doesn't matter. I'm not going to be distracted by people of unbelief. I find myself surrounded, if possible, with people of like precious faith. Just like you have a training partner in the gym that says, come on, you can do it, come on. A Barnabas. But if you don't have a Barnabas, no, if you don't, who's going to kick you in your pants? And if I might say so without insulting you, some of you need a swift kick in your aspiration. <laughs> yeah, did you see the weather? Yeah, I saw the weather. I get caught in the rain. It might be hard to believe, but I do. I trying to run between the eyes, rain again. Who made the weather? Now, humidity is different, brother. That's satanic. But the rest is made by God. Humidity, lack of humidity. It's cold, it's hot. Oh, God made it. And I would be very cautious if I were you to complain about it. But we can pray as Elijah did, because that's what God is looking for. He tests our faith. How many of you are being tested right now in this place with a host of things, or even one thing, and you're finding it difficult? If it's not difficult, you're not being tested. Come on, let me see your hands. I had a feeling that it was most everybody here. I'm tested routinely, and I'm tested much more than most of you are. You just don't hear about it. When I put out a prayer request, that means the rope has only got this much left on it. And some of you faithfully pray for me anyway, so I don't concern myself with it. They're all being tested. Now here's a decision. Will you win or will you lose? Will you be able to say with God, nothing is impossible? If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believes. And you don't need gobs of money as some of these con artists are telling you. You don't need that. You don't need that. You need Christ in you, the hope of glory. Strengthen your mind, strengthen your body, strengthen your spirit. And when it's time to go home, you can go home in peace. But until that time, you're in a fight. You say, I didn't want to get in a fight. Just bear with me for a second. When I took up boxing, I went to a relative who was the training partner for Sandy Sadler, two-time featherweight champion, and for Willie Pep, also two-time featherweight champion. So I went to one of the best, and all I wanted was just some lessons, some principles. That's it. Well, he had this idea of bringing in sparring partners. Okay, I could pretty much hang with the kids in the neighborhood. He didn't bring in kids. He brought in men. You know, guys with five o'clock shadows, hair on their chest, retired professionals. And every time when I was in the ring sparring with professionals, I never fought, I should say I never trained with amateurs, but very few. They were golden glove champions, ex-pros, whacking me around. And every time I got back to the corner after getting a lesson, he always whispered in my ear these words, you're getting an education. And i did and i did and my friends you that raised your hands about your stress i'm in there too you're getting an education but the question is what have you learned have you learned that you actually can do all things through christ or are you spreading the spirit of the ten spies there's giants in the land wow what a surprise i climbed the rope and the guy hit back yeah that's called boxing And in Christianity, when you signed on for salvation, you signed on for a fight. You You say, I don't want to fight. I don't want to fight. Better dry those tears real quick because you're in the fight and you're not getting out unless you want to leave Christ. And you're not going to do that. So get used to it and stand up and say, I'm not going to take this anymore. I'm going to stand in Christ and I'm going to be victorious because he said so. Are we agreed? Stand up if you're agreed with me. If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. I'm continually challenged when I read verses like this. So you're challenged today. And I know a lot of your situations because we've shared them one way or the other. I am not diminishing the pain and pressure that you're under. And I know, you know, my wife and I are circumstances, and some of mine, you don't know all of mine. But being challenged is only a test of faith. And for me, I intend to win. And you said that you do too. Well, then let's do it. If thou canst believe, all things are possible. We, you, should expect this mountain that's in your life to be removed by the hand of God. Let's go before the Lord and believe him. Father, we come before you today. I guess some of us never realized that it's going to be a fight. Yet the Apostle Paul writes, he says, I have fought the good fight of faith. And we shall too. We shall fight this fight of faith to find out that there's a crown laid up for us, a crown of righteousness, which you, Lord, will give us at that day, and to all those who love your appearing. Lord, today, for my friends that are here, myself included, my family, in Jesus' mighty name, We believe you. Help our unbelief. We're weak, but you're strong. And in the heat of the battle where you purposely leave us alone, where there's no aid to reach out for, not the preacher, the pastor, the brethren. When we're put in a position where there's nothing to do except we're going to have to trust in you. Cause everyone that has heard this message to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Cause us, Lord, to watch you come through. And be able to stand up and testify of the glory of God. And the goodness of God causes God to be able to raise our hands and be able to say, Pastor God, I got a word. That situation, in Jesus' name, is gone. Father, we will not limit you by walking by sight. Rather, we will look into the limitless expanse of your person by faith. You're with us today. You're anointing today. As we sang early and read the words, cause us to once again pour out our life because we are the ones who gain, not you. Cause us to see how much is left in the orchard instead of begging daily for an apple. Help us to affirm we've been given the whole orchard. Everything. We bless you and we praise you today. For God, you are great, and you are greatly to be praised. Cause us, God, to go out with the shine upon us, not to skulk out of here like a scolded cat. Hold our heads up high. And when asked the question, are you one of them born-again people? say without equivocation or hesitation, yes, I am. Cause your people not to walk by sight, feelings, senses, even doctor's reports. Help us, God, to walk by faith in your word for all that you are. We bless you. We praise you. We give you glory. We give you honor. Remind us this week to love you, not with part of our heart, a little bit of our heart, but all the heart, soul, mind, and strength, every bit of it, all the intellect, everything, and then to turn around and love one another. These commandments, they gird up the entire Bible. We give you all the praise, give you all the glory, and give you all the honor today in Jesus' name. Can you say amen with me today? Amen. Amen.